And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Steady Compass. I am your host, Quez. I'm joined here by one of my favorite human beings on the entire planet. His name is Mitchell Jackson. You know him from his work as the operator of the New York City Film Lab out in Brooklyn, New York. He's also an amazing photographer, musician, and engineer. I'm telling you right now, we're looking at one of the most spectacular human beings in the world. Mitch, a.k.a. Measy F. Baby. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Mano, man, tell me, how long has something like this, whether we knew it or not, how long has a podcast between you and I been in the works? Because we talked about this before. Man, yeah, we talked about it a lot. I think we were talking about it back when we were first discussing, like, the establishment of the collectors. If you know about that, then you know. I think we were just talking about how we always have all this information and all this knowledge that we're always talking about amongst each other. And we're just like, why are we not recording this? And at that time, I think creating a podcast was becoming a thing. It was still very new. So... I think we need to do it, but we just, the world happened and we just got distracted, but we're here now and better late than never. The collectors just rung a bell in my head like crazy because what's so funny about this notepad that I have, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to us on (laughs) our YouTube channel, what's funny about this notepad is one of the very, very first notes that I have is literally from that conversation that we had at the table when we were at, what was the name of that restaurant? The uh, the AZN in Mercado? It was somewhere in, I think it was in Estero. No, I think we, it was. We met up with Juan. We met up with Juan. No, I think he met us out in, in AZN. But like literally here, I have the business plan from the collect the collectors. <laughs> and then wait, on the next page was when we talked about making a social media page called The Collective. And we would share the media that people make on there, which I mean, shout ironically enough, yeah, shout out to Adam for real, which is, it's so funny to look back at that, huh? And here we are today. It's manifested. We talked about it so much that it had to manifest at some point. So I'm very happy that we're getting to do this today. I mean, I'm going to be calling you Mano again for the audience here that's listening, whether on audio or video. That's because we are brothers. We go back long ways. I've always looked up to Mitch for several reasons. One, he has one of my favorite skill sets that very few humans have, and it's pick up and play. And Mitch is very good at it. Mitch is, he might not tell you it, but he is very good at finding stuff and saying, wow, I'm very intrigued by that and running with it. I'm curious to hear from you. How important is your curiosity in your life? Wow, it's very important. It's the driving force to a lot of my accomplishments, to be honest. Like, I think a lot of it came from my background. Like, we didn't really have much. And a lot of it came from, I would say half of it is curiosity. The other half is necessity or trying to make a means of my resources that I do have. And my most powerful resource was always my mind. I think it was just a matter of being like, oh, okay, I see how this works and just reverse engineering everything. And that just very much carried over throughout the entirety of my life. So it started off with cars. I had, I remember my first car was a 1992 Honda Accord. Anytime I had no mechanical experience at all. I was like 17 years old or whatever. And I would pretty much look at the car and be like, okay, like we don't have money to take it to a mechanic. Let me try to dissect it. Let me search the internet, see what's going on. I feel like I felt like I had enough of IQ to just dissect the car. No matter how long it took, I just dedicated my time to trying to figure it out. 
and over time and over and just through multiple trials and errors and everything in my life, I just retained all that information. And now I'm where I'm at now. It's amazing how that skill alone, the willingness to see it out, to see it through can lead to new doors being opened, to new skills being learned. Quick fun fact regarding that 92 Honda Accord. Yes, I recall that 92 Honda Accord, and that's actually because it was the very first vehicle that my parents let me jump into <laughs> as a kid. Mitch was the first person, the first friend, when everyone, you know, you're telling your parents like, oh yeah, like all my friends are going out and you would point to people and they, yeah, my, yeah. my parents are not like that, but they loved Michi. They love Mitch so much. The very first ride that I ever got to take with him was to, I think we went to go play basketball at Max Hass. Yeah, I think so. It was that um, or we went to McDonald's, one of those two. Nah, I think it was basketball. I think we, I think they were also happy at the fact that it wasn't that far. I think it was definitely playing ball. There was definitely times where we would go to school together or not go to school, like to school together, but go to like band practice and all that mm -hmm. together. But yeah, they, they trusted me and they probably shouldn't have, but they, nah, they, they don't have to know that <laughs> <laughs> they love you. They love you deeply. Still be asking about you. So again, like curiosity is a very important drive. And you mentioned the other half of this is also necessity. And I think you have the kind of upbringing that a lot of folks in this country, maybe even around the world can relate to in that you had to be the man very quickly when you were young. And that's also another thing I admired about you that I looked up to you as because while we were very close in age, I did look at you as an older brother in the sense that Mitch had to have his shit together. And a lot of the problems that I thought were problems were not because in comparison, it looked like you were, it looked like it literally, I'll tell you this. It looked like you were juggling a lot, but doing it with grace. So just to form the question, how much of your upbringing do you think has contributed to the way that you view life today? Is there still that balance of curiosity and necessity when you're exploring new things? So to answer the first part, I think a lot of it comes from just not, I preach it all the time to my cousins and stuff who grew up in the same situations as me. I try to tell them like, don't become a product of your environment. Just learn from it. Learn. I have become... At a very young age, I became very keen of learning off of other people, whether it be a mistake or an accomplishment or whatever it is. You know, that way I don't have to deal with so much of that trial and error period. The more I can mitigate that, the better. So I think a lot of it was, there's a line, I forget what it was, pay attention or pay for people's mistakes. So I think a lot of it just came to me being like a wallflower and just observing everything and just being like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do that. Or I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So it contributed a lot because there were a lot of things that happened where I'm just like, listen, I don't want to end up like them, or I don't want to end up in that scenario, or I don't want this to happen to me. So a lot of it was just like, I had to grow up fast. That's the simple truth. I ha I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of making mistakes or just being young. Like a lot of my childhood was robbed from me and I don't regret it. I learned a lot from it and it made me who I am today and gave me a lot of my character and my characteristics. So I don't regret it, but I do think back and I'm like, man, I didn't really have much of a childhood. So in terms of that, it just helped 
mold me. And at the time, I didn't realize how beneficial it was. I just knew I had to do it. But looking back now, I'm like, you know what? I was able to accomplish a lot because of that. But I would say it's important to just be on a steady compass and just look mm -hmm. at, okay, this is what I want for my life. If there's anything that kind of takes me off of the rails, then it's really not for me. So just staying focused is important. And that's what helped me through a lot of my childhood of just being like, okay, these are the kind of people I want to be around. This is what I want for my life. Let me stay out of trouble. Let me just focus on my endeavors. You speak to a really important mentality or ideology that I think a lot of people can take from. And it's specifically that it's not just about learning from your mistakes, but learning from the mistakes of others. And while it's not to say that every if you were to make the same decision that the same outcome would be played, I understand that there's some flexibility to, to things that can happen. But in your case, you use it to your benefit. You use it to your benefit to say, okay, I saw what this motherfucker did. I saw how it played out. And I don't think that's for me. So again, something that at the age of, what were we, like 12, 12 or 13 when we met to have, because it was in middle school, I think, that we met. And uh, eighth grade, like middle of eighth grade is when I came in. Yeah, seventh grade, technically, actually. But you remember, I'm older. No, I didn't come in the middle of seventh. Did I? Yes, it was for sure oh, in the shit. middle of seventh grade. I was older, though. So yeah. I think I was like 15. Well, either way, by the time we had met, it was like you were, I'll never forget, it was you were the new student on the bus and you were sitting one row ahead of me. And I've always loved being around new people. So I would just be like, yo, <laughs> what's up? And then another fun fact that I'll drop for our audience. Prior <laughs> to meeting Mitch, I did not listen to any like hip hop or rap. The only music I listened to is reggaeton, bachata, salsa, like just very predominant Spanish household. And this man's coming up. Yo, do you listen to J. Cole? I'm like, who the fuck is that? No, that was a... All I remember, I was like, I sat next to you. I'm like, yo, this man is hairy as fuck. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, this is a grown ass man I'm sitting next to, bro. Yeah, like, Somebody come wild. get this guy, bro. Somebody check this guy's freaking ID. What? How did he get in but, here? Yo, oh, man. We're inseparable since then, bro. What are we going? Bro, it's over a decade. That's crazy. I, I knew you for more than half of my life now yeah that's crazy yeah so imagine this right like i considered it a challenge for me because to do this episode not because it would be difficult but or rather because of the difficulty of one thing is like how do i encompass almost Everything. 12 13 15 years of our relationship into an hour consumable podcast that's, that's true for life too that's true for a lot of life. Yeah. A lot of what I look back and cherish the most are memories that you and I made doing either really fun shit or stupid shit together. So <laughs> this is a gift. This is a gift. It's moments like this that are a gift. But to go back to our topic, we were discussing the balance between curiosity and necessity. And that as of late, you found yourself, you said on a rail. And that, I, that's an interesting analogy to have. Do you look at your life currently as this path that you have forward, what does your path look like right now? My path. Wow. That's actually a really good question. My path is to make myself proud. Everything started out with me wanting to please everyone that I loved. And I think that's how we all start out. Right. But 
as I got older, I started to realize that you can never truly satisfy the people around you. They're always going to have some kind of standard for you. They're always going to have some kind of idea of what they want you to do. But until you fulfill your own desires, your own endeavors and everything, you'll never be truly happy in this world. Because if you try to live in the image of others, you're never going to satisfy people. Or you might satisfy one person, but it's going to be directly against another person. You might as well just do for you. And the people that love you will accept you for who you are and what you accomplished. And they'll be there every step of the way. That's why I was always very selective with the people I hung around. And I still have those same friends to this day. So I think it speaks for itself just in the sense that live your life in your own image. You know, what you want to set out to achieve, you do it. And don't worry about what others have to say about it. I think we live in this society where the approvals of others is what determines our importance. And I think that could, I think that's not true. I look at Instagram pages all the time to stay on the topic for photographers, right? I see people that have amazing work, like mind blowing work. They probably have 500 followers. And then there's people that are generic, but they have a million followers. And I'm just like, I don't really resonate with that. But then again, that's what art is. It's a matter of what you resonate with and what gets you, what provokes emotion, mm -hmm. provokes thought. So I think staying on, I don't mean, when I say rail, I don't mean like you have to take one path and just that path only. A train could go wherever you want it to go. You could always build new rails, but just don't let the outside world affect your path. Essentially, enjoy the view, take things along the way but just don't let anyone derail you. I think you just said some really profound statement of substance. And it's that we spend so much of our time trying to please those around us because they have these ideas or these missions for us. And for context, like I just experienced that. I have experienced it, but like in its greatest form, I experienced it earlier this year with my family where there finally came a time where what I thought was best for me was different than what my parents thought was best for me. And what a situation to be in where you have like, you, what are you going to do? Will you follow your heart or will you follow what the world has provided for you? And it's again, I'm not trying to make it seem like my parents are strangers or anything, but my case in point is it's external. It's external to who we are. And when we have our own path, I love the way you explain this, right? Because you can make your own rails and you can set it to go left and right and up, whatever, right? Like that that's for you, the engineer, to decide. It's your game. You play it. But it has to come from within. It has to focus on the self. So let's get back to focusing on the self by focusing on Mizi F Baby up in the motherfucking cut. In terms of one of the things that one of the many things that I love about you is that you've always been able to go bar for bar on pretty much anything that I was even interested in too. So whether that was technology, quantum physics, apparel, photography, bro, love physics. Yeah, bro, this is a guy right here. This is a guy who spends his time. When I said curious, it's not for show. It's curious because what the fuck is it? I want to know about it. That's Mitch right here. I'm curious in this path that you are setting for yourself forward. What's the thing that's calling you the most? Where's your heart yearning for the most? Family, man family. I want to leave a legacy, whether it be through Melanie, whether it be through my children, I want to leave a legacy, even my siblings. I, my biggest drive when I was younger, 
And I think it kind of resonates in a lot of the things that I do just as a person, whether it be empathy or just being caring. I think I wanted to leave a lasting impact. A lot of my things that I wanted to study in school had to do with things that would outlive me. I started off wanting to be an architect. Why? Because I thought it was, a, I, it was mind-boggling that I could draw something and this thing would now sit 200 stories high in the sky. I, I thought that was mind-boggling. And to the fact that it would like live on past my expiration. Engineering, if I could figure out, I had dreams of figuring out a way to capture, I'm not going to go into the whole physics about it, but basically capture energy that happens from like the Hydron Collider, the for the collider that they have in Sweden. Because right now the issue is that it releases an immense amount of energy, but there's no way of withholding all that energy and using it as renewable resources. But to put it in perspective, that one eruption could power our Earth and everyone in it for about two years. Just that one collision. So I think it was it's just clean. about leaving. It's cl clean as shit. Yes, it does take a lot of energy to power to produce, that collider. Yeah. But when you think about halting the use of all that energy for two years as mankind, that's a very big deal. You see the recent advancement of nuclear yes, fusion yes. where they were able, they, yes, they with little, so for our audience that maybe hasn't caught up, I think the page I read it from was 1.37 p.m., check them out. But in the article, they described that they had less energy put in and after the fusion had more energy outputted. The question now is, can we, so they can do it. That was challenge number one. Can we do it? Number two now is, can we contain it? And then after okay. two, after can we contain it, can we distribute it? I, or at least that's, I feel like that's maybe an oversimplification of I think, all of the I steps. Think the, but. I think containing it is a little hard, but the distribution is probably even harder. Yeah. It's going to be, honest. it's going to be you the know, real, the real swing. Yep. But to go back to your question, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that have shaped me, but the fact that I wanted to leave a legacy and where my heart is at right now, what I want to see is family. I think that answers and checks a lot of boxes for me because I'm very much a person that requires balance in their life. So I think my family with Melanie and future kids will help offset a lot of complications and a lot of the harsh reality of the world because I want to give my knowledge off. I want to give a piece of me off to someone. I think that's where my heart is at. And then I think everything else will follow. I just want love. I want family. I want my health. I want to live a long life of happiness and experience things. I think I stopped myself from experiencing a lot. Like I just came back from Italy twice in one year, in a, ma in a span of six months. I was like, I never thought I would do this because you know me. Part of me being like having the engineer mindset is sometimes I think too much. And I did not think I could survive that long of a plane ride. But it actually turned out to be a really good experience. I prefer to fly international than domestic now. So I don't think anyone should ever place a limitation upon themselves. Sky's the limit and even beyond that. So, But for me, it's pretty much about family and my loved ones, making sure everybody's good. That's what my driving force is. I'm a big believer that the, the human mind is very powerful because anything you can visualize, 
is almost like a glimpse from God showing you this is what's possible. And even if you weren't a person of faith, like this is the universe showing you what's possible, whatever it is you want to call it. I really admire your take here, especially with family. I'm also a big family man. I know you know that. It's important to be present in the here and the now, build things that we care about. And whether that building is a sense of building a family, things that we really want to value and nurture it very carefully. Yeah, I, I have one chat. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, I think for me, what it is, I want to be, I don't want to say praised. I don't need to be praised, but when you have family and I like immediate family, like kids, a wife and things like that, I think the praise that you get from that and the feeling of knowing your love is a lot different. I'm not saying I'm craving that, like, that's what I need. Like I'm hungry for love, whatever. I think it's more about that. This is your bubble and this is where home is. You know what I mean? So. I think having that comfort will just allow the rest of your life to just be easy, even if you're going through hardships, because you'll be like, okay, you know what? Like, as long as I have this, I know I could figure everything else out because I have this comfort to go back to. There's a, there's a saying, they're like, oh, when you're heading home and you see the same gas station every night, it might be lit at a certain time or whatever it is. You see the same gas station every night. You build a level of comfort, like knowing, okay, I'm almost home. This is home. We're home. Like is an at. indicator. Like an indicator. Exactly. So the moment that gets removed, then it just feels like your world is not the same. You're like, it nothing feels the same it doesn't feel quite right so i think for me having a family unit and just having that connection and just having people i know i could just give all of myself to without any kind of drawback just is important to me i i wanted to challenge you on not to say like the importance of legacy but rather what i think is a fallacy of legacy i, I say this because you were like hearing you speak now reminds me of word for word what I said at the beginning of this year in January about how I wanted to have and build and leave a legacy for the world and generations beyond to remember. And I read this from Marcus Aurelius from our dog, all right, Mr. Daily Stoke over here. So uh -huh. he goes, I'm paraphrasing here, but he goes, How dare you say that you care for legacy? When you yourself are not grieving for the people who built the cities by which you are claiming you want to leave a legacy in. And he goes basically politely, that is long term clout chasing is what legacy mm -hmm. is. And he said, and then he continues on to basically to mitigate this. And he says, if your focus is to leave a legacy, what you actually want is to be present. What you actually want is to be in the here and now to have a direct hand in those that are around you now. You don't necessarily want to be remembered. You want to feel like you've had some impact on the lives of those people near you and who better than your friends and family, the people that you care about. So I challenge your idea of legacy, not because I think it's coming from a bad place. I think a lot of people are wanting it in a good way, but we are... The humanity, okay, this, the universe has existed for 10 billion years. And from this point forward, it will also exist for another 10 billion years or 5 billion, however many billion years. And we are literally a firefly in the middle of the night that turns on and then off and then we're dead. So it's like, yep. what does it mean if we build a legacy for 500 years? 
because 500 years after that, no one will remember what we've done. And and then in comparison to 500 years, what about 5,000? And if not 5,000, what about 50? So it, it, reading that from Mr. Marcus Aurelius made me think, what is legacy? What, like, what does that actually mean? And what it is that I actually want? So my challenge to you is rather than, ah, I'd like to leave this legacy, it's more like, I'd like to be the best version of myself that I can. That's what it sounds like to me, is that you want to be the best version of Mitch possible. And I think you're, I think you're in your greatest. This isn't even my final form. Looking yeah. great. No. So, first of all, I always agree with Marcus. Marcus got nothing but facts all day. For real, two thousand um, years old. Love, love his meditations, but I don't think I quite, I don't think I quite want that kind of legacy i'm not talking about a legacy where oh the world has to remember me they have to remember mitchell jackson jr i don't think i need that maybe in the scientific community like i think a lot of it comes down to just feeling accomplished a lot of times when we want to leave a legacy we just want our accomplishments to be noticed or acknowledged whether it be by the masses or whether it be by a family a significant other, or even ourselves. A lot of the times I have to look in the mirror and look at myself and tell myself like, okay, how good am I? Or what do I need to work on? And I think a part of leaving a legacy is knowing that I could die knowing that I set out to do the things that I wanted to do and did them. But in terms of legacy, in terms of like my children, I just mean like they're, in the, they're an extension of me. There's something that could live on with my image and just carry on whatever characteristics they might gain from me because i would want to leave a legacy for your children i would want them to have the same kind of connection we had that way they could just live their life easier because you have made my life easier melanie has made my life easier my mother has made my life easier so i think part of leaving the legacy is more of it's always going to be some kind of selfishness and I think that's what he was saying, just more of, you don't care about anyone else's legacies. You just, you're just worried about yours, but mm -hmm. you can expect people to have your same mentality for your own legacies. That's not really going to happen unless you're like doing something that's either very notorious or very great. Because we look at, we all know Christopher Columbus. Right. We're always going to know Christopher Columbus. We're always going to know Adolf Hitler, but those aren't necessarily great men, but they have left a kind of legacy because history is always going to know them. History you know, remembers them. But they're always going to remember them. So I don't, I'm not speaking towards that kind of legacy. I think it's just more of like self-fulfillment and just feeling like I just want to be able to die with a smile on my face and knowing I didn't leave any boxes unchecked. And maybe I might, but at least the important ones I want checked off. I do agree with him in the sense that we're a little bit hypocritical at times, but we have been all throughout history. That is a human so condition. It is a human condition and we're that way by default. So I don't think we could help it sometimes. It just depends on perspective and mindset, ideology, those types of things. So You touched on something I would like to dig into a little bit more and it's that the, we could get in there but before we do you mentioned the important boxes that you want to have some of these boxes checked off before that last day can you tell me about some boxes that you're particularly interested in we already said family family's already one like what other boxes is me zf baby looking to check off man i want a big ass 
classic BMW collection. I was like, upped it. And then I want like a series of 911 RWB kits. But besides that, I definitely want to learn as much as I can. Like, honestly, I stay up at night a lot of the times watching physics videos, space videos, things like that. I'm never going to be a scientist. I don't think I ever am, but I think it's just a matter of fueling my knowledge or fueling my curiosity and just learning as much as I can. You don't want to say you'll never be a scientist. I will never go into outer space. So that's I'll different. Never be that's that kind of that is I'll never be that so, kind of scientist. So, brother, that is um, so different than I will never be a scientist. Those are like, <laughs> that's I an mean, astronaut and science. With my degree, like I'm a form of scientist technically. I'm in STEM. Major, yeah, in but, STEM. Yeah, but other than that, I'm, by no means I would love to be a philosophy. Sorry, not philosophy. A physics professor. That's a dream, but. I don't think I would go down that path unless like I was in my field for a very long time and then ended up teaching afterwards. But uh, that's definitely up there just in all seriousness, just always fueling my curiosity and never letting that die. I don't ever want to stop learning. And if that means I have to go back to school for however X amount of majors, then that's fine. Or whether I learn on my own, I think I definitely have a very good research skills to the point where if I want to learn something, I can, if I want to find out something, I can. So that's number one. The second is just experiencing as much as I can. Like I mentioned earlier, I kept myself from a lot of things. I kept myself from experiencing a lot of things. I think the drawback about learning from other people so much is that I was a bit hesitant to actually experience things for myself because that's when you're going to learn the most so i think just like i said going back to italy if i didn't just say okay fuck it i'm a go i wouldn't have had this urge and this desire to explore even more i want to go to spa i want to go see my favorite racetrack i want to go to england i want to go all over the world i don't want to just go to the bahamas before my the extent of my traveling outside of the country was Jamaica, Bahamas, whatever. So I want to explore as much as I can. I want to be as much of a nomad as I could be. Because I look at things like The Alchemist and it shows the importance of going on journeys so you could learn more about the important things in life. Because we all learn for a job. We all learn for specific things. But often not we don't learn for ourselves and it draws us back because then you become a machine to a certain thing you become very stagnant in certain areas and i'm trying to refrain from that so i never want to lose my desire to learn i just want to be able to provide i want to just set out to accomplish whatever i put my mind to because i don't think there's specific check boxes i think it's just a matter of i could wake up tomorrow and say hey i want to be a f1 driver can I go do that? Can I go check off that box? So I think it changes, but for the most part, those are like my top check boxes that I always want to leave marked because they're marked now, but I want them to stay marked. It's the most important thing to remain curious because I believe, yes, there is no true fountain of youth, but curiosity is the next best thing. I like, genuinely think that's what keeps people young, keeps them interested. Yeah. I want to know more about something, why it works the way that it does. 
can I be an F1 driver? I don't know. What's stopping you from going on Google and figuring out how to get involved, right? Like, Probably there's... money, but still, you know, <laughs> you'll never know until you try. Hey, that was the other thing that you said that I'm glad you brought that up again, is the best way to learn is to do, is to be in it. I remember I was trying to start the business, and I, the one thing that pushed me away or that kept me at bay was... I don't know how to start one. I just don't know. And for a month, I was organizing everything else, the apparel and the logo and the this, and then I was doing everything else. But the one thing I didn't do was start the LLC. And it was like, and even when I was aware of it, I panicked. I panicked. I was fearful. Oh, I don't, it's not me. I'm an imposter if I go and I try to find that. So all of this to say that, once I did it and I saw that it was like a three minute process, it just made me giggle at how humans will often conflate a lot of our own fears or feelings of uncertainty to levels beyond what they actually are. And rather than just taking it on and doing it. So I applaud you, for example, right? When you had gone off to Italy, you faced this fear. Cause I remember you explained it as a fear of flying and now now you enjoy it no i love this shit. mechanical failure yeah is a better sorry is a better way mechanical <laughs> it's failure. not so much the height it's just more of i know a human being touched this and i know humans are prone to mistakes so i'm like i'm gambling my life fucking fifty thousand feet in the air like based on whether or not happen. someone did it well yeah, literally exactly like, that's exactly. the gamble did but some they, engineer do their job well but then I start to look into it a little bit more and I start to learn, okay, there's a lot of fucking redundancies on airplanes. There's a lot. I honestly, I didn't know until this year, me being, a, I don't know how I could call myself a mechanical engineer, but up until this year, I did not know that planes could fly with one engine still. It's rough. It's rough, right. but it won't just drop out the sky. Yeah. So you got a but, chance at least. Yeah, you got a chance at least. <laughs> you just got to make an emergency landing. But um, yeah, curiosity is important, especially if you want to stay as young as possible mentally. Because obviously, our bodies are—it's an organism. It's gonna it's age, gonna age. But our minds will stay as strong as we keep them, and. It doesn't matter how physically fit someone. I think the most important part of having strength when someone labels you strong, I think it's about mental strength. That's the most powerful thing you could, because you could do anything. If you're not physically fit, if someone says, oh, you look weak. Okay. I have enough of a mentality where I could be like, all right, I'll talk to you again in a year and we'll see how strong I am. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? If you don't achieve something, okay, how can I break this down in a way where my mind could comprehend it and I understand it, you know, it, and that's literally for anything. If you want to set out to achieve something, whether it be LC, you just got to sit down and do it. I think what it is, a lot of people fear the unknown and me, I fucking embrace that shit. I'm like, yo, give me that shit. It's like a drug for me. Like I love figuring, I think I just love thinking anything that provokes a thought I love it because I want to find the answers and I don't want to find the answers that other people got. I want to make an answer. And that's why I love philosophy. That's why I love theories because theories are open to answers. It's not a scientific fact. It's not a fact that you just find online. Hey, this is black and white. That's it. That's the answer. Theories allow you to think a little bit deeper and just, One you know, navigate on things. It. 
yeah, navigate in a way where you could find answers for yourself. And I think that's what a lot of life is finding answers for yourself because the moment you become too reliant on other people, you hinder yourself, you cripple yourself because now you're handicapped in a sense because it's okay, can I do this? Can I accomplish this? What does this person think about it? And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think a lot of people are dependent on followings and likes and stuff. And to an extent, it is important because you need those things if you want sponsorships and people to engage in things, but don't become so fixated on it that when you only have 50 or 100 at a time, those same 50 or 100 are going to be just as important when you have 50,000, 100,000, because those are those people are still part of that other amount. You know, right. It's a matter of compiling. It's a matter, it's a matter of the power of exponents are real. Those 50 or 100 are going to talk, maybe 50% of them are going to talk to other people. And now 50% of that becomes a higher number and then 50% of that. And it just compounds upon itself. It's literally an exponential growth. That's right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you, you are listening to the steady compass. I'm joined here by Meezy F baby. And the F is for fortitude, mental fortitude, talking about <laughs> someone who, Hey, I, that was sick, right? Talking about someone who has been through a fair deal and really will not let any of those things stop him. Mitch, I got to know, man, like we, we talked about a few things already. We talked about the curiosity about being determined about how much you love to learn. I have to know, is there something that scares you right now? The typical thing that everyone thinks about, which is just leaving this earth. I feel like I didn't, I haven't accomplished everything I wanted to yet. There's a lot of big things that I want to do. Um, like I mentioned before, family, marriage, and just making sure my mother and my grandmother and my siblings are okay. But I think I just want to just, I fear failure. I fear all of this being for nothing, like all of my hard work, everything that I've gone through. And I think that's not true. We're human beings. We tend to think about those things. But again, it's important not to dwell on those things. There'll always be a lingering fear, but it's important not to dwell on those things because then you will fail inevitably because if you're just so fixated on okay i'm not doing this i'm not doing this i'm failing you're just going to stay stuck in that mindset but Cycle it that. is a fear of mine yeah it is a fear of mine i don't want to fail myself i don't want to leave this earth without doing the things that i set out to do but other than that i think i'm pretty i don't have like direct fears and a lot of that goes into we talk about it all the time a lot of that goes into stoicism i remember what i absorbed from marcus's meditations was basically that wait was it marcus that had the meditations yes marcus right. Aurelius meditations that's yeah. right what i took away from his meditations at least most recently was that the presence of opportunity is not our responsibility it doesn't happen on our accord we are not responsible for that we can make decisions we can make decisions when that opportunity presents itself, but ultimately we are not responsible for it showing up. So even at a young age, I didn't realize it when I was younger, but as I got older and I think about stoicism, I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely live like a practical stoic mindset or life, right? Because some parts of stoicism is like a little shaky. A lot of people have a misconception that stoicism means like you lack emotion or you don't care, you're too nonchalant. And that's not really the case. In fact, the I argue the opposite. Stoic, 
Yeah, the core of stoicism is that love the shit you got when you have it in your hands. Because when it's there, it's not entirely your responsibility that it's there, just the opportunity presented itself. And then I think when I was young, I started to realize like part of possession, and I'm about to drop the bomb right here, part of possession is loss. And the sooner you come to grips with that, and the more you could prepare, it's not about accepting because you're always going to feel things. We're human beings. But I think it's about preparing yourself for that loss. A good analogy is, okay, you're gifted a mug. There's the typical mug analogy that a lot of philosophers use. You're gifted a mug, right? You love this mug. You use it every day. It's your favorite mug. You look forward to your coffee every morning in it, right? One day it slips out your hands and it breaks and it falls. So what Stoicism teaches you is you shouldn't sit there and think about the lost. You should think about the time that you had with it because experience is way more important than any tangible thing. Because memory is what will live with you for the rest of your life. That experience, that moment that you could go back to will live with you for the rest of your life. So you have to start preparing yourself for loss. And that's on everything. And unfortunately, it's also with people. Now, granted, that's a more drastic thing, but that's pretty much the core of stoicism. It's like, just love the things you have when you have them. Don't wait until they're gone to love them. That's completely backwards. That's right. not the way to live life because then you're never going to be happy because, okay, I'm not loving the things that I have in front of me right now. I want more. I want more. And then when you lose something, you're like, oh, I don't have that anymore. I'm sad. So you're setting yourself up for failure either way. So enjoy your youth. Enjoy the things that you have. If you have wealth, enjoy that. If you have people that love you, love them. Enjoy them while you have them. You know, don't wait until these things are stripped away from you because inevitably they will be. And I think the sooner people come to grips with the fact that you will lose things, the sooner they could start enjoying their life and the things that they have while they have them. So I think both Marcus Aurelius and Seneca have gone into great detail about life is fleeting in nature in that mm -hmm. everything about this life will go away at some point. You like you will die. Your favorite mug will get lost. Your favorite, whatever, even if it's a tangible thing, just as, as, quickly as it was presented to you or made available in your life, it will also be gone. And then, but so the thing I'll challenge about what you said was that it's about preparation for these things. I would go as far as saying it's more so ex it is accepting that life is fleeting in nature and that if I accept that it's all fleeting, I do not get bounded to those things. And that is, and being unbounded is what enables me to appreciate things while they are there is more along I think the core tenets of stoicism more so than preparation, but yeah, man, you're spitting gems. I think it really does come down to accepting that nothing about this life is supposed to be guaranteed or entitled to you. Everything that is outside of your control, the right word. Yeah. Yep. Everything that's outside of your control will always be outside of your control. It will cause you to suffer and you are the only person that gets to have a choice in how you react to those things. I cannot control the world outside of me, but all that is within me is within my control. So I think that's a important clarification to make there. And acceptance is important, but the thing is, I feel like 
acceptance is like a loose terms because if you lose the loved one, you're not just going to be like, I just, I got to accept it. I think back of when I lost my great grandmother to cancer, we did have time to prepare and it sounds bad, but we did have time to prepare because we got to just come to grips with the inevitable. So it was less yeah. of a blow when it actually happened. So if you just carry that mindset towards a lot of things that we're not going through for everything, but as long as it's like at the forefront of your mind, hey, you think has an expiration, unfortunately. Appreciate so, it while it's here. That's it. It's, it's all it going to go here. away. Appreciate it while you have it. Because one day it's not going to be there. And, and be selfish. Take as much as you can from it while it's there. A lot of people are fear have a fear of looking, oh, they're being selfish. It's only self-interest. Everybody has self-interest. Everybody has some form of self-interest. You know, what's you know? so interesting about what you said at the beginning is like you said that you had lived a lot of your life for others initially. Like you had done it like with the idea of what others may have had for you in practically in fear of appearing selfish. But I think what you are getting to now, what you're about to allude to is that being selfish is the greatest form of self-love, the greatest form of care for myself that no one else in the world will give me. I mean, but you tell exactly. me, I found two off the mark no, there. No, that's exactly it. And the thing is, I don't mean be selfish in the sense of like, where you're just stingy. And I still have a lot of like, the characteristics that I had when I was younger. I'm still caring. I'm still generous. I like to believe as much as I can be. But it just goes back to what I was saying. Don't live your life in the image of others or even trying to appease others or just just live your life how you see fit. And that is okay. You do not need the acceptance of others. And I think a lot of the times I was like, okay, is my mom going to be happy? Are my friends going to be happy? Is Abuela going to be happy? It came down to a point where I was like, you know what? I was looking in the mirror and I'm like, I don't feel good. I don't feel whole. What's the missing part? And a lot of the times people are like, oh, like I need someone to fill in the blanks for me. I need someone to fill in the void. And I started realizing like, it's me. Like, I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm not. And how can I make someone else happy if I'm not doing that for me? Boom. There's always going to be, there's always going to be something that's keeping me from exerting the most happiness that I can. And I'm at a good place in my life now with Melanie, just having that realization. Now, no one's perfect and I never proclaim to be, but it's a lot of it is about just having self-realizations and having those talks with yourself, having that time with yourself, because those are going to be your most important moments. And those are when you're going to have the most realizations. You're going to have so many epiphanies especially when you first start off, but you have to have that acceptance. You have to sit there and have those tough talks with yourself, but for everything, don't just admire yourself. You have to talk be about real. everything. You have to be real with yourself. You don't need to have those talks with anyone else. If you know who you are to yourself, you don't need to prove the moment you start realizing who you are to yourself. You don't need to prove yourself to nobody else. You've already you know, done the hardest talk. thing. People are going to talk. People are going to talk. That's people right. want to mold everyone that they can into their image and preach their ideology or but ask them to have that same energy with themselves and they'll look at you twisted oh i don't got nothing wrong with me i'm good it's you mm -hmm. that it's like i'm not the problem you are if you have that mindset then you definitely 
need to look deep into your soul and, That's right. and have a serious conversation with yourself. So hey, um, I saw a brilliant quote that was like, the stupidest people have made all the conclusions and the wisest people are so full of doubts. Am I living in my best form? Was I a good friend today? Was I a good son? Even those doubts, those questions that we ask ourselves that lead us into self-realizations, which display some greater truth for us. That is the unlock for our happiness because now we get some clarity with ourselves. And once we have it, you can never lie to yourself about yourself. You can tell everybody else to lie about you and that's fine. No one, no one's actually going to give a shit, but you yourself, like, you know, yourself, you know, the things that you don't like about yourself, you know, the things that you love about yourself and it's up to you to face those things and be real. And I love how you put it, right? That's not a conversation you need to have out in the open if you don't want to. I think at some point, the most vulnerable people tend to be the strongest because I have no problem sharing this with you. I've already accepted it with myself and I'm good. Yep, yep. And then one last thing that I'll say to summarize that another great point that you made. How can I water my garden? The garden being my family, my goals, my passions. How can I water that garden if I do not first water myself? I will counter that with saying that you are the spout. You are what holds the nutrients because how can you... That's the analogy I'm trying to say here. Yeah, you can't... But I don't think it's about watering yourself. I think it's about you becoming water, Bruce Lee says. Be water. Be water. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think it's about you being the water and just... But you... If you're just a spout, an empty spout, then you can't water anything. So I think you have to fulfill yourself in a sense and just fill yourself up with that water that could then give nutrients to everything around you. I think that's the important thing about that because then you also get to choose what you want to water. I think that's the other important factor because you still have limitations. You don't have an infinite amount of water. If you do, you start to spread yourself thin and then you have nothing left for yourself. And I think that goes back to what I was discussing earlier. You got to love yourself. You got to love yourself enough to be a little selfish. Don't neglect people. Don't neglect your flowers or your garden, but also keep some for yourself. Start with you. Start with you. That's very key. And that's very important. Just you have to start with yourself while also being nurturing. Just have those discussions with yourself. Ask yourself what you really want. Ask yourself what you really want out of life. Ask yourself what your check boxes are. What's your ideal mindset? Because honestly, life is about perspective and perception. Because I could have, I think about me and I think about all the bad shit that has happened in my life. And I'm like, if I had a different outlook on life, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at. I probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't be happy. Not to say that I'm entirely happy. There's still a lot of things I want or I want to do, but I probably would be down bad if I didn't have the perception and the perspective on the mindset. Exactly. So I think a lot of it comes down again. Like there's one constant within this conversation. It's about your mind because it's very powerful. And it's powerful in either direction. And that's something you need to understand. If you give a lot of weight to the negative things, you're going to be negative. You give a lot of weight to the positive things, you're going to be positive. Or at least try to find a balance in there. You know what I mean? Just, yes, focus on yourself and 
what are the things that are important to you around you? Very brilliantly stated, an eloquent speaker, one of the best. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you that you're listening to The Steady Compass. I'm joined here by Measy F. Baby. And the F is for family because this man is my brother. And we've taken over empires together in previous lives. And I know that we'll continue to do that into the future lives that we live and beyond. Mano, this is the part of the show where I put the mic in your hands and it's an opportunity for you to plug, to shout out, to send love to somebody, send a message, whatever you like, anything's open for you. The floor is yours. Man, what to say? As Chris mentioned, I'm over here at NYC Film Lab. So if you have any film, of course, send it my way. I'll take care of you. And yeah, shout out to Mel. Shout out to all of a tribe called Quest. And just just focus on yourself, man. Yeah. Focus on yourself, man. Give yourself that love that you've been yearning for. Don't get it from other people. Don't become reliant on other people. Self-reliance is key because then it starts with you because no one will ever be able to no one will ever be able to give you the things that you need, that you truly need. It has to start with you because once you accept it in yourself, then you will accept it from others. But if you can't accept it from yourself, Nothing anyone says or does will be enough for you. Just have those tough talks and spread love. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of The Steady Compass. Joined here by Mitchell Jackson, a.k.a. Measy F. Baby, one of the most spectacular human beings in the entire world. You can catch all of the information that he provided, particularly around NYC Film Lab, as well as his socials down in the video description if you're watching this on YouTube. Otherwise, if you are on on the audio formats, you can catch it in the podcast notes as well. Mitch, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know it's been a long time coming. I'm very excited that you've been here. I think I'll probably have you back again as as a second guest just for the hell of it, because why not? I think we could talk for days. We got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, again, a massive thank you for checking out this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at QuestXYZ. That's Q-U-E-Z-T-X-Y-Z. And also check out our website at Quest.XYZ for all the latest information on our shows, podcasts, articles, you name it. You can find it all right there. Be sure to stay in touch with me, ZF Baby. Again, all the socials down in the description. Man, I love you. I appreciate you, for real. I love you so, man. Ladies and gentlemen, we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Steady Compass. Peace.